0: This morning, I want to begin a series that just is been kind of moving within my heart um, as we got to the end of the year. The series itself will be simply being in awe of God. There are so many things that people stand in awe of today that really aren't worthy of it. But when it comes to the God that we serve, to Jesus from Christ, we stand in awe of him. Uh, the actual word awe is an emotion variously that can combine different things. From any, it can, can uh, combine dread or, or respect or honor or wonder. It can create inspiration. Um, we give awe to many things in people. There are many celebrities that if all of a sudden they stepped into your life, you would pause and just not be able to speak or things like that, and that's giving awe. Yet we usually give it based on very little knowledge of the person to whom we are standing in awe of. Yet the awe changes our behavior, especially when around them. But we want to stand in awe of God today and ask the question, are we truly in awe of God Do we marvel at his majesty? Does his presence, which is constant, change us in visible ways? So we start this series and being in awe of him by asking the question, what do we know about God? Psalm 3. The psalm says it's the psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Starting at verse number one, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep, and I, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear. Though tens of thousands assail me on every side, arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. Many, may your blessings be on your people. What we know about God, how we view him, matters. A woman was moving one morning at a brisk pace had parked her car in a school parking lot and exited the car, anxious because she feared she would be late. She has an early morning meeting with her teenager's teacher before heading to work. A cup of coffee in her left hand, her purse over her shoulder, and bright white pants on, fresh from the dryer. In rushing into the school, the coffee spills all over her beautiful white pants. In the next instant, she feels the heat of the coffee and looks down to see that there's no way she's going to be able to camouflage this coffee stain. What would your reaction be? What would the, be the thoughts going through your mind at this time? God, am I being punished for something I did? God, I guess you don't want me to go to that meeting today. God, thanks for this happening before I got inside the school. God, why didn't you protect me? There are so many things that can come through our minds at this time when things seem to go wrong. There could be many other possible responses. The point, our responses in these moments, our, our reactions to these things that go wrong in our daily lives, on, even when they're small or big, They reveal what we know or believe or how we view God. Yes, some of the reactions that we're going to have are natural and understandable. You spill hot coffee on yourself, it's an understandable reaction to go, Ow, it's hot. But to a large degree, our goal, even though there are some natural and understandable reactions, there are some other natural reactions that we as Christians, as we grow in the Lord, want to be able to rise above. Our goal is not to move through our Christian journey and just settle for being natural. We want to walk through this life as believers moving into the supernatural. We will always have natural reactions. Some aren't bad. But we have, to, we have to mix them with an understanding that we live our lives in the presence of God. A presence that inspires awe. How we view him, how we see him, often rests on how we understand him and his character. And for that, we turn to the Bible. Aren't you glad for the word of Almighty God? Aren't you glad that he has chosen to reveal himself? God has pulled back the curtain and revealed himself to you and me. We can never know everything about God because that's how big he is and how awesome he is. But we can know him in deep and powerful ways. The God that we serve is infinite and we are finite. But the blessing that we have is although we cannot know him completely, we can know him confidently and know him that he is our father. One thing we can see is that there are ways that God and, and us are similar. After all, we were created in his image. Our God is wise. Sometimes we can be wise. Sometimes. Our God is love, and sometimes we can express His love and walk in His love. Amen. Our God is holy, and whether or not we have these thoughts about being holy, the Bible commands us to be ye holy, even as our God is holy. And again, similar as God in many categories, and yet there are ways that we are very different. Our God is all knowing, we know nothing. Our God is everywhere. Our God is self-sufficient. And although this world would like to tell you and like to proclaim that they believe they are self-sufficient, nobody is self-sufficient. Nobody is an island. Everybody needs other people. Anybody who walks through this life thinking that they can make it on their own without help from anybody else, the Bible and the book of Proverbs repeatedly calls that person a fool. You and I will never be self-sufficient. We need God. In this psalm, we learn some very important traits about the Lord and how he can sustain us in difficult times. The psalm's heading, which is part of the original transcript, or the transcripts that we have, says it's a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom about a thousand years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, David was king over Israel. Absalom was his third son. Ammon, David's firstborn, the scriptures record his abuse and rape of their half sister Tamar. Two years after that, Absalom got revenge by murdering Ammon. Amnon. I don't get it. Fearing punishment, Absalom flees and hides outside of Jerusalem for three years. And he comes back, but even when he comes back, there's this rift. There's this, uh, this barrier between him and his father, King David. And yet in that rift, Absalom begins to plot how he's going to take over the kingdom and remove his father from the throne of Israel. Curring um, favor with the people, Second Samuel fifteen says. Not only does he get people behind him, but he gets the army of the people behind him. Psalm three. He marches against his father, and David flees. Second Samuel chapter fifteen, verse number thirty reads. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and, his, and he was barefoot. And all the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. Absalom made himself king over Israel. Now in time, David retakes the throne. Sadly, against King David's expressed wishes, Absalom is killed. As a reminder... Or, journal entry of this whole episode in David's life, we have Psalm 3. Now, being honest, I'm not sure how you would categorize this moment. This seems like a 911 moment in David's life. This is when we cry out to the Lord in verse number 7 Deliver me, my God. Ever been there? Ever been in a situation where it just seems like everything is going wrong and you just cry out, Lord, deliver me, because I have no idea how to get out of this? We've all been there. When it feels like everywhere you turn, there is peril. Everywhere you turn, there is danger. Every place you turn is opposition. And the sources of this peril and this opposition are close. It's one thing when the world or people at a a job or people you see in the community, it's one thing when they come against you. But when the people who come against you are close, close family or friends, it feels different. Heartbreaking, not just because of the situation, but because of the relationship that exists between you and them. How David responds reveals what he knows about God. And how he views them. He says three things. God is my shield. God is my glory. And God is the lifter of my head. This psalm opens. Under the idea of God is my shield. With David saying. Three times in the opening verses. The word many. Many are my foes. Many that rise up against me. Many say God will not deliver him. Can you relate? When trouble not only comes, but it comes in bunches. Well, I'll bet we can all sympathize. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that none of you have ever been chased by an army. Maybe you have. I don't know. But it had an entire army of this world put your picture up on a board somewhere and say, go get them. Sadly, many of us, though, have been told that last many, that God will not deliver you. People have looked at your calamity. People have looked at the things going wrong in your life. People have looked at the pain that is being sustained over a long period of time and say, where is your God now? It could be at the loss of a job. The loss of a loved one, especially when it's tragic or sudden. The loss of a relationship. Because of a stand that you take on the truth of Almighty God, David had gone from being king of Israel to being a criminal in Israel. But in this, God know, uh, David knows that God is his shield, yes. beloved. No matter what you go through, God is your shield. Now, in ancient times, shield came in basically two varieties. There was the one that would be put over your arm, and it was mainly used for hand-to-hand combat. So it was smaller so that you could maneuver it and use it to block and attack by the weapon that your opponent was using. Then there was the large shield that was almost the size of a door, and you would stand behind it, and it would cover most of you. What they would call the large shield is a shield that was about me, or around me. And this psalm says that God, your shield is around me. God's shield covers every area of your life. God's shield takes care of everything that matters. God has a shield about me. God has a shield around me. He protects me. And I love what it says here. When I sleep. I can feel for people who have difficult time sleeping. We've all gone through situations like that or seasons when it was just difficult to fall asleep. We were concerned, and let's be honest, or worried about something that was going on or something that might happen the next day. But how many know that because of the shield that God puts in your life, you can go to bed every single night and sleep like a little baby? Verse number 5 and 6 of Psalm 3, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord has sustained me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Usually, when I'm in a public place or with a group of believers or just even in a small gathering of friends and I'm asked to pray, I'm going to begin my prayer thanking God that he gave me the breath and ability to rise up and greet the new day. Because every time I open my eyes on a new day, it is because God has been a shield around me in my life. Now, it would be wonderful if this wasn't so. But even though God has a shield around you, that doesn't stop your enemy from shooting arrows. They keep on shooting anyway. But with God as my shield, I can remain confident. And with God as my shield, I can remain calm. I remember so many times as a young adult, I would do my best to just put my trust in God And I would go through situations that were kind of trying and kind of harrowing. And I would still try to put my trust in God and stay calm and and actually believe the calmness that was within me because it came from the Lord. And then I realized that there were people around me who were worrying for me. And when I asked them, this isn't happening to you, why are you worrying? I would get the answer, because you're not. Have all the fun you want worrying for things I'm not going to worry about because I'm going to practice putting all of my life into the hands of Almighty God. He is my shield. And with God as my shield, I can remain at peace. And his peace will always be mine. Psalm 84, verse number 11. For the Lord God is is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk blameless. That Hebrew word for blameless means uprightly. Psalm 115, all you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. Is there any doubt in anyone's mind today that God is your shield in every situation, no matter what it is, big or small? Not only is God your shield, but he is your glory. This can be a tough one for us. David not only knew that God was his shield, he says, You are my glory. What is the most important source of your happiness? Financial security, family, children, parents, not, perhaps not specifically just your children, but their successes or achievements is the source of your happiness, close friends, our nation, I submit to you that these things, if they're the single most important source of your happiness and your peace, they are idols. And by single source, I mean that if everything else were gone, including God, what is the most important to you? Including your relationship with God. But one of these things... If it's one of these things, they're idols. I love my children. I love my family. I love this church. I love God infinitely more than all of you combined. Making any of these things the single source of happiness, so that if nothing else, if everything else is going wrong, but Jesus Christ is going right in my life, everything was going wrong for David. And the reason it was going wrong was at the hands of his own son. Yet he could say, You are my glory. You are the ultimate, by glory there in Hebrew, you are my worth. You are my ultimate value. Your ultimate value is not your bank account. Your ultimate value, and hear me on this, is not your family. Your ultimate value is not your children. Your ultimate value is not how successful any of them have become. Your worth, your life's glory, is and always will be your relationship with Jesus Christ. God is my glory. Now, we, were, we, we never want to come to this, but many have to learn the hard way, don't they? It's an old saying. I remember hearing it as a new Christian in my teenage years, about five or six years ago. That you find out if Jesus is all you need when He's all you have. I don't want to get to that place. I want Jesus is all I need. I don't want it to get to the place where He's all I have. I'm thankful for His blessings in my life. This comes down to where is our trust? Is it in our families getting along? I think most of us have already gotten past that point. Because while we love our families, families can be a challenge. We need to relocate or refocus. Where is my glory? Where is my value? Where is my worth? It's in the person of Jesus Christ. You know the verse from Psalm 20, verse number 7. Some trust in chariots and some trust in in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm not going to trust in this country. I'm not going to trust in this church. I'm not going to trust in my job. I'm not going to trust in relationships. My ultimate trust, although I love and need all those things, is to trust in Jesus walking with me each and every day. My trust, my glory, my value, my worth is found in Jesus. And in that, I can stand in awe of him. David said that God was his shield. David said that God was his glory. And lastly, he said, he's the lifter of your head. Being honest, when things start really piling up, what happens? What's our almost natural reaction? Just hang our heads, and not just our heads, the shoulders start to droop, and we just kind of shuffle and scratch our way through each day. When the trying times come, they can really weigh us down, and we can truly become not just tired, but weary. We can walk through seasons when they last that long, or through life with our heads hanging down low. When we get discouraged, Because something didn't turn out the way we expected it to. When we experience defeat in an area of our lives, when we get depressed, shoulders droop, our spirit sags, and our heads and arms just hang limp. Aren't you glad in those times that you serve a God who is close by? He is close by. He is your shield. He is your glory. And he is, resti- he is reaching out his hand to you and picking up your head and say look to the hills from whence comes your salvation from whence comes your glory he wants you to always know no matter what this world says about you that you are special he wants you to know no matter what people come against you that you are awesome in his sight he wants you to know that no matter what other people say is real there is nothing more real than the power of jesus christ in your life Now we want to think and we want to believe and we want to stand on God moving in our lives and that when we stand on his word that we believe what is said in Romans that all things work together for good. And despite the faith that David expressed in this psalm in what may have been one of the lowest moments in his life, if we read the scriptures in 2 Samuel, Absalom died rebellious and estranged from his father. There was no reconciliation, and that can happen in our lives as well. Sometimes things or situations don't get better, but even when they don't, there is still a God in heaven, and there is a Savior who hung on a cross for you, who is alive and well today, who lifts up your head and is your glory and is your shield. God is still there to pick up your head and remind you, we can be glad today because this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Yes. And when God lifts your head and reminds you that he is your shield and convinces you, hopefully he can, of your value and your worth, then you can believe and walk in the words of the Worship song we sang. God's on my side. Who can stand against me? You know, there are situations that I have become more aware than I would have been years ago. Because of all the nonsense that I see in New York City sometimes on the days in which I have to work in Manhattan. When I go into the subways, I am more aware. I don't step as, until the train comes into the station, I don't wait as Close to the edge as I might have in the past. I usually have my back to the wall, to be honest with you. Because I'm just being, I'm trying to be aware, and I'm trying to be wise, and I don't want to be a statistic or on the 11 o'clock news, at least not for that. So, we've become aware in this world. There are things that are going on. But being aware and taking precautions is a very different thing from fear. Very different thing from fear. I fear no one. Because my God is greater than anyone. He is greater and higher than anyone. So where are you today? In your journey with the Lord. In your understanding of Him, in growing in your knowledge of Him, which is what will be revealed when the storms come. Yeah, I, like I've mentioned recently, I've, between November and December, I went to a lot of, of funeral services, a lot of dear saints that went on to be with the Lord in each case. And the questions always come up the why questions. One thing that was a blessing to me in the services I attended in the last two months of 2022 is that the families of the deceased appeared to be close and together. I've gone to funerals many, many years ago. I went, I didn't know the family, but I was pastoring a church out in Riverhead and the local funeral director knew I was a minister and many times families will come to a funeral home and they don't have a church affiliation. So they'll ask the funeral director, can you find a minister for us? And so they did, they found me. And so I met with the family beforehand and, and I talked with them to try to get some understanding of people I didn't know and especially of the deceased. So I could provide some type of comfort and then provide a salvation message. And my wife was there, and she'll tell you, this one family, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but if I had been the deceased, I would have wanted to check out too. (laughs) This family, I made the mistake of saying before I got up to speak, does anybody want to say anything? I've gotten into the habit now, unless they want to do that, I'm not going to offer that. I'm just not. I'm just not. I offered, does anyone want to speak? And each one of her four adult children got up to speak, and they basically ripped into the other three children and into the deceased. And when they were done, okay, Pastor, you can come now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and I, I, I did my best to try to find something uh, to, uh, to do or to say. But what I learned in that moment is we have this mindset, we have this idea that when tragedy comes, especially to a family, that it'll pull people together, that it will create strength. And my experience now in life and in almost 30 years of ministry is that it doesn't create strength, it reveals whatever's there. It's like when it rains on a house, the rain doesn't make the roof stronger. It reveals where all the leaks are. And that's what the situations in life can. But when we come together as God's people and even as individuals, we purpose in our minds to direct our thoughts toward him and make him our shield and our glory and the lifter of my head, I can then truly rise and walk through even tragic situations knowing that God will get me through one step at a time. And ultimately, if God is for me, who can stand against me? If God is for me. We're going to try that one more time. If God is for me. I still want to try it one more time because it's good. If God is for me. And that answer is no one. No person on this planet. No demon in hell. No one can stand against you when God is for you. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.